Welcome to How to Build a Tent with the campus preacher, Keith Darrell. Keith Darrell. He is in the South. He's in Florida. So uh, he came up to bug me and I was like, hey, we should have a podcast. And if you notice, for those of you who are watching, we're not in the normal place because it would have been a little awkward sharing in one chair. And it's a tight spot. We would have been close to what one another. Anyway, we would have cuddled. Um, and that's just not good. Yeah, it's not, not, a, good, not a good spot. <laughs> the... Both of our shows are part of the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Fluffnetwork.com. Fluffnetwork.com. So every week in my intro, uh, in my head, Fluffnetwork. Uh, Crosspolitics.com. Fluffnetwork.com. So. Fluffnetwork. And I'm like, dude, dude <laughs> how many haters you get? Uh-huh. They're gonna start calling it Fluff. Network. <laughs> yeah. So you need the. So you need the Fight Laugh Feast. Yeah. So yeah. The Fight Laugh Feast. Hopefully that's what we're doing. We're yeah. at least fighting. We got that down pat. <laughs> I don't know about the feasting. Well, we do laugh. Yeah. But we do <laughs> laugh. Yeah. Whether or not we have the feasting down, so uh, we got the others. Yeah. We definitely need a cooking. Although you see a. Well, how, what about the taco man? That taco. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. That, what is it called? The taco guy. The, the taco guy. Yeah. yeah so, so, it's so we're even. Yeah. The catering guy. So we're even working on the feasting part. Literally. Not in the millennial <laughs> sense, literally. But literally, <laughs> we're now working on catering. We can say that because I'm Bruno. We can say that. It's okay on this show. Yeah, okay. <laughs> he is. Literally running a uh, taco guy, whatever. So, yes, so we got the feasting down. Kingdom. Yeah, so we got the, we got the feasting down as well. So, if you want to be part of this madness and help support us and keep doing nonsense like this, you can come become a member. You get tons of great benefits. You get this month free, which I didn't know about, which is nice. Uh, and you get tons of great content. And you may even get a crown in heaven. If you're generous towards my uh, feast, we don't want to over promise and under deliver, but because you don't want to over deliver under promise, so you don't want to get carried away. But we may possibly, you may possibly get some benefits from it. That's very possible. Other than this age, as Paul says, God wants us some benefits uh, in this age as well, or working out something, whatever Paul says. You want campus preaching. I know. Can't get 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 my Bible references right. I don't know how the street preaching goes. (laughs) It's something to this effect. You know, these, you know what the Bible says. Yeah. Yeah. Vague references is uh, how I keep it on the streets. Because so. yeah. no one knows what I'm talking about anyway. So I'm safe saying, well, the Bible says, so I'm completely safe. Well, you have that like Ben Shapiro cadence where it's like rapid fire. Uh-huh. So that works to your advantage. Yeah, absolutely. They're back here. I've made up a bunch of stuff and then I'm down here. And, and I'm still downloading. Yeah, you can't fact check me. You can't fact check me. <laughs> fact check me, bro. Yeah, you can't fact check this material coming at you on a random face. And that's why I keep it fast and fresh all the time so no one can fact check me. So, yeah, you slow this down to half speed and you run it back. None of it makes sense. <laughs> what is this abstract conversation? Yeah, none of it, none of it works. So, normally I would give you my promotion code, but I'm going to do a little solid to Keith over here. What uh, code do you give people to? Uh, uh, campus Preacher. Campus, that's a long one. You got a short one. <laughs> really? Maybe Campus? Campus? Yeah, you punch in Campus, we'll run the guys, we'll run the people on the network behind the scenes, and we'll let them know if Campus shows up. Yeah, mine's better letters, HTBT. Uh, yeah. Maybe, really mine's, nice. maybe, maybe mine's KDCP. Maybe. maybe it's been changed. At the beginning, because I was Campus Preacher at the beginning, and then I was told to change things to KDCP, so maybe my code is KDCP, Keep Thorough Campus Dude, Preacher. One of those two. One of those two. Uh, just keep punching it. Will, will it indicate whether or not something happens, or is it going to like... Yeah, you I don't know how it works. I, I know I do, but like I don't know how it works behind the scenes. So behind the scenes, I can't tell in front of the camera. Oh, okay. We'll, just, we'll talk about that. Now. Okay. All right. So anyway, punching KDCP or punching Camp Preacher. Okay. That's right. Yeah. 
And if you have any questions for me or you want to tell me to never have this guy back on the show or something <laughs> like that, you can email me, Matt, at howtobuildatent.com. Give us a follow on all of our social media sites, How to Build a Tent. Where are they follow you at? Uh, you can follow me on Campus Evangel on Twitter. I go to my website's Campus Preacher. Keith Farrell on Facebook, Campus Preacher on Instagram, and then I think that Keith at CampusPreacher.com if you need to email me. Oh, okay, cool. So. All right, so I wanted to talk with you today, not just because it's fun to have people on the show, which it is. Uh, I want to talk about your career, mm -hmm. which is what, what people normally say is a ministry. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important distinction for us to have for a lot of implications. One of them is, at least in evangelical circles that I've grown up in my whole life, is people think that the ministry is the pastor's job. And then I don't have to do ministry because my profession is in accounting or finance mm -hmm. or whatever. But uh, may, do you have any thoughts on the separation or the difference between what ministry is versus what your career is? Uh, that's a great question. So I spent five years working in finance, mm -hmm. and to be honest, like there is, it is hard to integrate faith, life, work, all that stuff, and have a depending on what what your background is and all that sort of stuff. So I was converted, got involved with Camp Crusade for Christ, and definitely like not there's. Uh, they have one doctrine for these things, but mm -hmm. I think I was definitely in a context where if you really want to be spiritual, you got to do ministry. Um, and if you want to help people be spiritual, mm -hmm. you go an old job and you tithe and you support people who do the real stuff. Um, mm -hmm. So I was definitely looking at my background and kind of getting into reform theology uh, where they have a little bit, maybe to be honest, at certain points, maybe they go over the top where like all of life is worship. And it's just kind of like, well, Sundays are still different in some ways. You yeah. know what I mean? Sunday mornings are different. The sacraments mm -hmm. are different. So you don't want to, so the hard part is you don't want to go one way or the other where you completely flatten the universe where everything's worship. So there's no distinction between um, a Sunday morning uh -huh. corporate gathering and what you're doing the rest of the week, nor do you want to go totally like, oh, what I'm doing the rest of the week is completely irrelevant. Everything's what the professional's doing. Yeah. So I guess the, the way I think about it is honestly, we had a discussion, um, which I believe is available on the Fight Life Peace Network. It should be. David uh, said it was. If okay. it's not emailed Chocolate Knox. And tell them what's wrong with you. Yeah, we want we want that kind. Of, we actually had a really good discussion and it tied really into good. the eye, the idea of creation, and that was probably the beginning point for me. The change was that like Sunday was still set apart, but God worked. And when you split things, you name things, you divide things, you do that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, those are godly attributes, and that is part of being an image bearer of God. Mm -hmm. um, and that was probably the beginning point of being able to change and free some things up. That like yeah, when you go out like you're digging in your backyard, you're doing work in your backyard, and you're building something, and when you tear something apart, you name it, separate it, build. That's what Yahweh did the first six days. And when we do that, we're, we're being image bearers of him. So that was one of the things that helped in. And then from there, it becomes, in a sense, a ministry because it becomes what it means to be a human being. You know what I mean? And we don't, you don't have this radical separation between being saved, going to heaven, and then in this interim being a human being. That was part of the discussion on the, the importance of having a creation theology. It's not like you, know, you get saved and it's like, oh, i got to save everybody from heaven and hell or one of those two camps. And it's almost like earth no longer matters. You know what I mean? The physical world no longer matters. Yeah. We're almost like uh, plateness at that point. What really matters is the soul. And we, we don't know. use big words like that. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> so, so the idea that what really matters is the soul. So uh, the, the, the physical world is almost like... Uh, irrelevant. Yeah, irrelevant. Not, not Illusory is not the right word, but, but like the, the real thing is the soul. And what matters is really the soul. And the physical world is kind of, kind of less meaningful than the soul. And uh, I think that's kind of a dominant thinking. So once you get away from that and you begin to approach the world, because um, it was hard for me at days, like I, I was working fine. So half my time was like on spreadsheets mm -hmm. and numbers and kind of abstractions. And, and like when I worked construction, it was easier to think of this as being meaningful than 
kind of like dragging numbers on a spreadsheet, you know what I mean? And then, and every, I never touched money, you know what I mean? Like, like $3.8 billion, never touched it, you know what I mean? It was 3.8, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's all it right. was. And then, like, $100,000, oh, that's just down. We don't even worry about that surrounding, you know what I mean? Right. And, so, so, and, and yeah. so, so when you're dealing with that sort of money and, then, and it's just on a spreadsheet, it's easy to think of these things as kind of abstract rather than. Mm-hmm. In a, For sure. The, the street saver went on. It was actually pouring. It was actually pouring all the way here, and uh, I, yeah, I was told it was uh, it was not going to stop for a half hour. So I had to run. So if I looked wet, I was I was running in the rain to my car. So I thought we may have had a power outage with the storm. So. <laughs> That's Florida for you. So the reason I asked that question though is because I think we make that mistake a lot of times as Christians, where oh, I'm not doing ministry, I'm doing accounting, but. Because we look at pastors who their profession, how they get paid, is ministry. Mm -hmm. But we conflate that and think it's the same thing. And it's important, from my opinion, and I'm going to get feedback on this, as accountants or finance, like you were saying, you work for Amex or consulting in my case, is that we need to look at that as ministry opportunities as well. Yeah. Like, yeah, we are accountants, just like, yeah, there are preachers, campus preachers. But we're still called to do ministry mm-hmm. at those and serve in the true sense of the word, right? Ministry is servant, yeah. being a servant, right? So it's not that, oh, I'm not doing ministry, I'm an accountant. It's I'm an accountant. And how do I do ministry while I'm an accountant? In almost the exact same way as, yeah, a pastor is paid to pastor mm-hmm. and to preach, but then he does ministry as well. And that's baked into it. But there's also that aspect to it too. And if we separate the two, I think it's important in one sense because then it reminds us that, hey, no, it's just because our profession isn't being a pastor, we still need to do ministry. Yeah, and, and I think the hard, one of the hard parts, it's kind of funny, and like even when you think of doing ministry, like it is sharing the gospel, the actual gospel in many ways, and, and the truth of the gospel. So I remember when I moved to New York and I first started working in finance, I remember thinking like, oh, my life will, uh, and like, and you know, I was in a major you know, Fortune 100 company, and the reality was like, I mean, uh, like, I theoretically, I don't know if it was really this way, but like, I felt like maybe perhaps my life is more balanced than the people around me, but there was always somebody that did something better than I did. Mm-hmm. So when I thought, oh, my work ethic, and they're like, well, I can't keep up with those guys, you yeah. know what I mean? They're, they're, their whole life is work, and so they're yeah. going to get here before me, they're going to leave after me, and I can't compete. So if I thought my work ethic is going to stand out, well, that guy does it better than me. If I thought not, you know, being a gossip at work, and like, you know, I wasn't, but, you know, you maybe say a joke that like, eh, that person never says anything. You know what I mean? So, yeah. so the things that I thought would make me stand out in many ways, um, there's always somebody there who did that thing better than I did. And so whatever that actually, because every, you know, kind of common grace, everybody has some aspect where they fuck the image of God. You yeah. just have the guy who's just naturally really kind, the person who just works really, really hard and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and interestingly enough, one of the main places where my life stood out was lack of sexual morality. Um, that was one of the main things. So like, yeah. I was dating a girl and, I was, and people like, Asking about living with her, I was like, "Oh no, I live with my girlfriend." Like, what? You know what I mean? <laughs> or, or the occasion, like I didn't know too many guys that would go to a strip club, or, and I was like, "Ah, oh, no, I'm not doing it." So it's actually the sexual morality part that was the main thing that caused conversations, um, more so than anything I was doing at work. Or um, and one of the things that was kind of funny, often with, and it's always kind of been this way. Uh, unbelieving women, uh, I feel like there's more opportunity to kind of minister in a way because, like, 
I, I, I was the, there was a TV show called Seventh Heaven, and I was, uh, <laughs> and, and a girl at work nicknamed me the Seventh Heaven Dad. So I was like, so anybody who had like counseling, like uh -huh. they come to me, were like, I made bad decisions this weekend. You know what I mean? And, and I was, I was kind of a safe conversation. Father, yeah, say. yeah. And, and I was safe. I wasn't, I wasn't wanting yeah. anything from that. You know what I yeah. mean? So, so they respected me from that standpoint. And so I was able to, uh, you know, share the gospel with quite a few people because of that uh, context. But it was, uh, it was interesting because like the things you think. Are going to stand out. They don't necessarily stand out, especially in a bigger environment where there's always somebody who did those particular things. But but it was kind of at the end of the day a moral aspect um, regarding what you do this weekend. I'd always try to stand with the church because that, then then you at least have a association. Oh, he goes to church. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and, and we may oftentimes Christians might be afraid of that, but like that ends up giving you opportunity downstream. And I also had the benefit of um, having seminary on my resume. Excuse me. And so. I had to beat that out. <laughs> And so we, uh, um, great, perfect. Um, <laughs> I'm going to stop you right there. <laughs> yeah, I don't edit my show. People get it wrong. Yeah, yeah, I, get, I, I, yeah, I do mine straight too. Um, so, uh, yes, I lost my train of thought. Yeah, so let me stop you there because okay. I have two points. Okay. Uh, first of all, you bring a really good point of. And I've, I've done this so much in my life. It's like, I need to differentiate myself in X, Y, and Z so I can be a good like example and I can be that city on the hill. Uh -huh. But a long time ago, I realized that they're, like, what you're saying is so apropos. It's like, there's always going to be someone better. <laughs> He's over here with I don't French. Know if I knew that. Yeah. He's yeah. over here speaking French. Is that French? I, don't know. I don't know. That sounds, sounds French. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but we like try to differentiate ourselves by our own righteousness, and it's, it's just I had a realization one day. It's like there's nothing I can do in my own righteousness that's going to get someone to be converted. Mm -hmm. There's nothing, I'm, and it goes along the lines like arguing and debating. There's no logic that I'm going to give someone that's going to convert them because it's not a logic issue. It's not a like lifestyle issue of why people aren't coming to Christ. It's a sin issue, mm -hmm. and they need the Spirit to do the work. When I realized that, it was a lot more freeing because I would get down on myself, honestly. Mm -hmm. Where, I'd, oh my gosh, I was part of that joke and I didn't see it coming and it went downhill and I even laughed like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to be able to tell people yeah. that <laughs> uh -huh. But it's not about that. Mm -hmm. And then, so that was a really uh, good thing to put Yeah, so it was one of those things he quickly noticed, you know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh, I'm going to, and I sat down and I was like, man, I got this. It was like, like, yeah, we can have fun. It was kind of depressing. Like, I don't know, there's mm -hmm. always somebody doing something better than me on these moral aspects of things. Yeah, so. for sure. And then the second point you brought up that is really good that I try to encourage people with is, it's funny that I'm talking to you about this, it's when we think or when we talk about we need to share the gospel with the world, we need to be a Christian, we need to proclaim the gospel, what we think of is what you actually do. <laughs> is you're in this like hostile area and you're going to get up on your work desk on a break <laughs> time and you're going to start shouting at people. Uh -huh. But that's not what it has to be, right? It could be as simple as you went to seminary on your uh -huh. resume, or when someone asked you how your weekend was, I went to church. Like that is not difficult to say. Yeah, right? and, yeah, and it's amazing how much that sets up other plays. Like if you're, if you, you're watching a football game and you see somebody, you're like, why are they run that play? And then like a few plays later, or even later in the season, you're like, oh, well, that totally set up that move. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or like a game of chess. And so realizing that, and so yeah, it's like, and even things that are funny, our CFO was a Mormon and pretty high up in the Mormon church. And so they'd often pull it, business. Yeah. And they'd often pull people from BYU and stuff like that. So there was a handful of Mormons on my team and blah blah blah. 
And uh, it was kind of funny because the girl who nicknamed Seventh Heaven Dad one day, she was like, uh, I can't remember the guy's name. Like, she's like, Bill, you're a Mormon. Keith, you're a Christian. What's the difference between you guys? Wow. And, we kind of, and we kind of look at each other like, you want to do lunch? You know what I mean? And so, like, yeah, we obviously can't have this discussion over the cubes. HR is going to come down and, and, and show us our walking papers as we're geeking it out over why David Smith uh, uh, yeah, is, is a false prophet. Um, but at lunch, I'm willing to lay out here what the differences are and just kind of keep to the nature of God. I mean, here's what they say God is, here's what I say God is. And, um, and, and so, yeah, that, and, but, and a lot of that's set up by just planting little seeds. And actually, uh, one of the people I was able to share the gospel with, she uh, texted me on Easter to say she knows a Christian. She's like, oh, happy Easter. And so I texted her back with, he's risen. And uh, so the next day, where I was like, hey, can you have lunch? And so we met for lunch, and she goes, are you one of those born-again Christians? And I was like, ah, you know, there's a lot of stigma with that word, but there yeah. is. And I only to reform people if there's stigma with that word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Just and, don't tell my voice. Well, well it's the end in New York. And in, with the unbelief in New York. You know what I mean? And because even one thing that was funny, one of the first conversations I had spiritually in New York was actually with my uncle, who already knew I was a Christian, blah, blah, blah. We'd often have good conversations. But he even said, he's like, you're like the only born-again Christian I know. The only, the only other context I know is like Pat Robertson on TV. You know what I mean? So, so that's, that's their whole, you know, if you're not Pat Robertson, whatever. And so however you want to play your cards and differentiate yourself or whatever. Um, so I love that. And that's such a good point too. You're just like all these good points. I'm really glad. <laughs> it's all fire. Yeah, it's all and it's great because I didn't prep them at all. Usually, when you have an interview or a guest to interview, you say, like, "Yeah, we're going to talk about these things." I was like, "Hey, Keith, we're just going to do a podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, come over for dinner. We're going to do a podcast. Yeah. All right, I'll see you in an hour. <laughs> down for it. That's great." Um, but we forget because we live so much in the Christian circle that there's a lot of people that don't know anything about Christianity. Yeah, zero. We think of still of America being like the American culture, and you can probably speak to this not just from your work experience, but on campuses, right? Is we have to start just the basic yeah. foundations because they don't know anything. Yeah, they, they really, and I think it's even even when you think of our engagement politically, um, as the real hard thing. So, me being on campus, interacting oftentimes with evangelicals, I realize many times evangelicals don't really know what we believe. You know what I mean? Like. They don't have an idea. They, they might be Republicans, or they might be broadly conservative or pro-life. Uh, we think there might be something wrong with it. And, and so there might be certain political stands that people have, but the, people mm-hmm. have not grasped, in many ways, instances, the gospel. And so I, I think that's even one of the things we need to consider, um, even when we think of evangelism, like, uh, I mean, especially in our reform circles and in Fight, Laugh, Feast, we, we have the benefit, in general, of having a lot of people who are really engaged theologically, mm-hmm. really engaged and intentional in raising their children and stuff like that. But that's not 99% of, of the culture, let alone evangelicals. And so um, I do think we need to realize that when we sit down with somebody across the table from us who is a non-believer, um, you know, they really don't know what the gospel is. They, they know it has something to do with God, doesn't like sin, mm-hmm. um, something about maybe Jesus died. But, but as far as any gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ is king, he's accrediting us with his righteousness, like that's, they know nothing of that stuff because they don't really have the categories. And I think one of the, you know, if I can take a swipe at presuppositional apologetics from this standpoint, I feel like oftentimes we allow Romans 1 to make us think that the person across the table from us has actually read like Bavink and <laughs> Hodge and all, you know what I mean? Like, uh-huh. oh, well, they have the knowledge of God and they suppress it. Well, yeah, yeah. well you know, really? Like, like like, and, but I just feel like it, it's, it's we're, we're opposing them as if they have a systematic theology. Yes, yeah. they look at creation, they have some knowledge of God, but to act like they have exhaustive knowledge of the triune God, I think is an error we make in assuming of what they know. Um, Gosh, that's such a good point. And even 
when we, and even when we are, so I was on campus, one thing that was fascinating, so there was a kid, came up to me a few weeks ago, said, you were here four times last year, I'd sit for hours and listen to you, I became a believer, he's like, I had never heard the gospel before, that's what he said to me, wow. uh, a year ago, I'm preaching in Oregon, get done with the day, it was a pretty raucous day and kind of fun, a guy comes up to me, and goes, you said you'd have uh, dinner with somebody, would you have dinner with me, I was like, alright, let's go have dinner, so we go have dinner, he's like, I just thought you were funny. He's like, I can't believe people would get mad at some of the things you said. You're really funny. Um, he's like, but I know nothing of Christianity. I've never been in a church before. My parents. And so, like, how should I approach this guy? Should I approach him as if he's read Bavink and he's, like, in rebellion to it? Or, <laughs> right. or, should, I, or should I take him at his word? Like, yeah, he kind of yeah. knows nothing. You know what yeah. I mean? And I just, Obviously, he thinks you're funny. Yeah, yeah. At least he's funny. Which is, which is a pretty good observation. You know what I mean? Anybody worth their salt knows I'm pretty funny. And so, that's a real, so he's actually a bright kid. You know what I mean? Like, he, he is a smart, smart kid being able to pick that up um but yeah it's funny the things like i wish i remember some of the conversations he's like yeah i mean yeah. and he picked up all when i'd be like tongue-in-cheek because when i'm out there i'll say things that are tongue-in-cheek and people take me so literally and they get mad and yeah. i was just like i'm kidding okay. um so so anyway as we do evangelize, i think we need to realize that and when we sit down with somebody we don't need to come in hot like we're prophets and they're sinners and we're in israel and they're in total rebellion to the covenant yeah. no they're gentiles who are in many ways, ignorant. Like the Bible does speak yes. of, there's a sense in which they know God. There mm -hmm. are other senses which only Israel knew God and the other nations are ignorant. So we have to play that back and forth. And John Frame actually has a pretty good section in his Doctrine of the Knowledge of God um, regarding the knowledge of the unbeliever that I think is helpful um, as you begin to sit down with somebody and begin to explain to them. And what I think you want to do is, without being totally seeker sensitive where you're avoiding repentance and faith and all that sort of stuff, um, Oftentimes, I found my, my, my favorite part of even like when I'm doing evangelism on campus or even when I was in New York was just explaining what it is we believe. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I, I would take it very much as if like someone is coming into like you're a doctor and someone's like they got cancer and they're like, well, what's going on with the cancer? And, and assuming that they know nothing about cancer. They know cancer causes death. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but they know nothing of what's going on. Like, I know nothing of what's going on with the cells and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But, uh, and then pretending you're the doctors, like I'm explaining to you from A to Z what's going on. You're in, and they're in kindergarten. You know what I mean? So right. when I sit down and talk to people now, when I'm on campus, my operating assumption is they're in kindergarten. Not that they're at, in freshman year of college with a with handful of information mm -hmm. um, and stuff like that. So, you know, you're in finance or have studied finance or mm -hmm. even when you get into trading, like you might know broad things about the stock market, but you go to invest and you're saying like, it's a different ball game. You know what I mean? Once, right. you, once you actually know what's going on, like other brand, whole different ball game than just simply, oh, there's a price uh, <laughs> yeah. and the stock market's going up. And it's squiggly up. line that goes across the chart. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Colorful. And there's a candlestick and something like, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> candlestick. You know, and so you can, you can yeah. sit there and, and like, uh, uh, you know, because everybody in America has some knowledge right. of the stock market, but 1% has knowledge of the stock market, right. you know what I mean? So, yeah. And so anyway, approaching people, I think in that way, without going full tilt seeker sensitive, mm -hmm. but sitting there with the benefit of the doubt that they need to, I'm explaining something that they know nothing about, yeah. more so than I'm confronting people in rebellion or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, so. it's not even like, I wouldn't even say it's even close to seeker sensitive, that's like more of a mindset to me, but it's, you're laying the foundations. You gotta remember, you can't be talking about your fifth you know, logical point and premise when the foundation's not there. Yeah. It's like you got to start with the kid's book before you go off and talk about all those authors I've never heard of before. Yeah, and, 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 yeah, and that's a great point, because even part of the, Part of the wrestle, and even mentioned like the secret sensitive thing, because I feel like oftentimes in different circles, but there was a period there when I was, say, in college, where I would have thought holiness meant being more hard. And mm -hmm. the harder I am, the stricter I am, yeah. I really grasp holiness. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? I really get it. And I feel like oftentimes we can think that, like, well, if I have a smile like Joel Osteen, well, that's just wrong. You know what I mean? I don't want to be that. So, so, so we define ourselves over against Joel Osteen rather than uh -huh. just being, well, 
the hell with Joel Osteen? What am I supposed to do with this person before me? And we're supposed to have joy and kindness yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And so, I, I, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because I'm immersed in a culture where um, – at least for a long season, getting into Reformed theology was coming, like not wanting to be a part of anything seeker-sensitive. Mm-hmm. And so I allowed myself to define myself over against the seeker-sensitive, or even the, the open-air preaching, defining myself over against Westboro Baptist Church. So I'm never going to talk about hell. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to talk about homosexuality because I don't want to be those people. So I'll, I'll punt on those issues and I'll talk about other things. And for me, I know that personally, it's, it's easy for me to define myself over against others. And so, yeah, even it's funny because, yeah, using the language of it's not seeker sensitive. We're just being Christians in a culture that love people. Right. What does it look like to love people? And, um, you know, the opposite of love isn't that we're just throwing haymakers all the time. It's it, sometimes it's being gracious. Like I in the true sense of with that term secret sensitive, like I think that's good mm-hmm. because there are times to be the prideful people that, you know, that would talk about the homosexual that was rubbing you up. Like, it's okay to be a little more firm with that. Yeah, absolutely. But then the person that's broken in Mm -hmm. their sin, well, you don't want to be throwing like haymakers at the person. You want to be sensitive and, and like from my evangelical perspective, I don't know if reformed people use this term, but you like want to be led by the spirit in those moments Mm -hmm. to know how to handle it. Yeah. Because it's not, you can't just be one thing to all people, as you know, Mm -hmm. right? In ministry, you have to adapt to the situation because everyone, God is using and working in people's lives differently. Yeah, absolutely. And and yeah, and and you look at the life of Jesus where, Mm -hmm. you know, his conversation with Nicodemus in John 3 is a little different than the woman at the well in John 4. You know what I mean? So true. And, and, yep. and if we're doing ministry like Jesus, we don't have this cookie cutter thing that everything's sinners in the hands of an angry God, mm-hmm. uh, nor is it always avoiding sinners in the hands of an angry God. And it's kind of funny it, it, when you're uh, kind of being led by the Spirit, made me think of one of the first times I was campus preaching. One of the first times like I kind of fell in love with it was about six weeks in mm-hmm. to preaching. And um, my days were kind of up and down part of that point. And I'd, like very rarely I'd be able to sustain a crowd for four or five hours. It'd be like, you start to get a crowd and they'd leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and like classes or something. Yeah. And like, yeah. And, and like, but now I'm almost at a place where most days I can get people anchored and they, they're like, like, even like that kid who, who became a believer, he's like, I've never heard the gospel before. And I was like, oh yeah, no, but I'm out here hoping people skip class. He's like, yeah, that's what I did. I skipped classes. All wow. I want to do. Yeah. So, he, yeah. I, and I would listen for several hours. And, mm-hmm. um, but I remember I was at Appalachian State University in North Carolina and I go up, I start preaching. And what was funny was, um, I started preaching and a, and a girl comes up to me, a Catholic girl wants me to, uh, be really nice. You know what I mean? And wouldn't you be better off serving the poor? And I stole an old DL Moody line. I was like, uh, have you ever, do you do evangelism? She's like, no. And I was like, well, I like the way I do it better than the way you don't. So that's from, supposedly <laughs> from DL Moody. So, but I'm, uh, yeah. and then another girl comes up who's like, and then she leaves. And I was like, I got one minute to get my crowd. And so it was probably the most confrontational I feel like I've been in my preaching. So I was yeah. like, I was just like, Buddha's going to hell. Hindu's going to hell. You know what I mean? And boom, boom, boom. Every direction. Yeah. Just yelling my voice. Just throwing grenades. Yeah, throwing yeah. grenades. But and then this girl, this hippie girl, people just start sitting on this hill and this hippie girl comes running over and she goes uh can you give me good vibes and i, I think her name was marlise so i was like all right marlise i'll give you good vibes and so she goes just give me good vibes tell me about the love of god and so she goes sits on the hill and i spent the next and it was fascinating because no one i don't remember really anybody coming and going a bunch about 100 kids just sat on the side of the hill just listened to me talk for the next hour and a half on the love of god and what i basically preach on the love of god is the life of Jesus leading to his crucifixion and saying something to the effect of, uh, and I really think it was spirit led. It was like, see, you guys don't want to hear when Jesus came and he loved the world. You guys didn't want to hear about the love of God. It was crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Men and women don't want to hear anything about the love of God. They don't want to hear about the grace of God nor judgment of God. You guys got, you guys want God to go away. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I was like, but he's loved you, blah, blah, blah. And I sit down and I'm praying. It was probably like one of the most spirit led she sort of things. And this girl comes up to me and she was like, uh, I want to learn more about Jesus. I think he's beautiful. And I was just like, 
<laughs> I don't normally cry. Men don't cry. But I was like, <laughs> and uh, what was interesting, though, the girl was pregnant out of wedlock, and her mother-in-law, or, or the at least the mother-in-law of the child, however uh-huh. that works, um, at least the way this girl told, tells me the story is that she was rejected by her because her son was a good Christian guy until he met her, and uh, he wow. she's corrupted him, was, mm. was the claim. I was like, first of all, he's corrupted long before you arrived. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? And uh, blah, 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 blah. But within that, you know, I don't know what your sins are. I don't know what all you did. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's grace for you. There's mercy for you. And, and I just share the gospel with her. And um, and that's the thing. Like, yeah, being open to the, what the Spirit's doing and, and understand, like, a girl like that doesn't need to be beat up over... Uh, being pregnant out of wedlock, she's like, Jesus is beautiful. What do I, you know what I mean? Yeah, so right, exactly. grace, grace upon grace upon grace is all I had to preach to her. So, so I have a lot of names for you. Uh-huh. Some I share with you, some I <laughs> like That's there... a lot of people. A lot of people have names for me when I'm not around. You're like the Christian Ben Shapiro of how fast you talk. But another one is like the international man of mystery. Because I never know what you're really up to. So I want you to speak to a little bit about the profession of campus preacher that is like as a career this is your career yeah. right like if somebody wanted to do what you're doing what are the steps how do you get into it how do you like live how do you sustain your finances uh-huh. and those kinds of things great question and it's uh, pretty open-ended because I um I'm one of those people who I call myself an imperfect perfectionist. I never reach a place of perfection, so I actually don't get a lot as much done as I could because I'm like, like? so I'm like, it's not perfect, so I don't like it, so I quit. You know what I mean? So (laughs) I was like, oh, it's imperfect, so I can't produce it. I can't Uh, give it to others. You know what I mean? Uh And um, and and so so even like I want to make YouTube videos, but I'm like, oh, not perfect. And so I was like, is there any way we get David Cameron in on this? You know what I mean? I'm like, I was like, I gotta get this thing, gotta get this thing top notch. I gotta get this thing top notch. David's not gonna let this show be launched. Director, I can think of that's the only name in Hollywood. Steven Spielberg. It's the only names I know. So, but my idea was it has to be this uh-huh. this perfect thing. Um, and so, so anyway, all that to say, so I was working in finance, 2005, April 2010. In 2009, basically, I had a group of people from different walks of my life all get in touch with me and just say, "Hey, you're wasting your life in finance. Go preach." And since like six people from different areas of my life all told me that in a, in a space of time. I was like, all right, I'm leaving. So I just literally um, packed up everything, sold everything, quit my job April of 2010, sold everything that didn't fit into my car, mm-hmm. kept my apartment in New York for another year and a half, um, and just began traveling and preaching, and trusting that the Lord will provide my needs. And a few years ago, we had to do a bunch of tax stuff, which included taxes for like 2010, 11, 12. Oh, and I was just like, painful. I don't know how I lived. Like, mm-hmm. like it was, uh, it was like, on like twelve thousand dollars, eleven thousand dollars, fourteen thousand wow. dollars, and um, and within that, people would put me up, people would feed uh-huh. me, so I was able to, you know, not. And so you really aren't a Joel Osteen. I, I, I would love. <laughs> I'm not judging Joel Osteen. Look, if I if I start raking in forty mil, I got no problem with that. But so so I'm not gonna condemn those. But yeah, it, I mean, it's not a lucrative. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't yeah. lucrative. Um, and then finally, probably about four years in, it just kind of transitioned to like at least a, a moderate like a mild income. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like not really even an income because yeah, I, I literally I just travel and preach and I've kind of taken the George Mueller approach to living of just saying, Yahweh, I need $10,000. Like my, a couple years ago, the engine of my car blew up. Um, the first time I ever self-consciously raised money and the ministry said, look, you can get two-year-old Accords and Camry. So that was basically $20,000. So I was like, that's your budget, find a car in that light. And within five days, I raised $20,000 to cover to cover it. And one guy gave 10,000 of that. He, mm-hmm. I, I, I didn't realize the engine was blown, but I took a video of the engine, put it on Facebook. I was like, does this sound 
right. And uh, so he calls me. He's like, hey, I'll call on a payment. And uh -huh. then when they told me it was going to cost six thousand dollars to rebuild the engine, the car was worth like three. Uh -huh. um, I called him and just said, hey, it's going to be six thousand. My budget's twenty. He's like, that's a good idea. Uh, I, uh, he's like, I'll give you ten thousand dollars if my wife's hiding anymore. I'll give you more money. Uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, so honestly, like, what it, what does it look like practically? For me, it doesn't have to like look like this for everybody. I knew that if I waited till I, the imperfect perfectionist is this. I knew if I waited till all my ducks got in a row, I would have never left my job. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's mm -hmm. just the kind of golden handcuffs. It was too secure. Mm -hmm. So I just had to like rip rip the band-aid off and trust that all right, this is what the Lord's called me to do. He's gonna meet my needs to do it. And it doesn't look like sometimes what you'd want it to look like. You know, I'm forty four years old, my life's not whatever I think it should be. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I was working in finance. I should have an upper middle class lifestyle. You know what I mean? Yeah. But within that, I mean I'm with Matt. I'm eating well. I'm with my parents. I'm with other friends. On an friends. imperfect show. Yeah, an so imperfect show. That perfectionism went out and the so, door. Yeah, so perfectionism <laughs> got. So what it looks like for me was just packing up, traveling, preaching, letting people know what I do. And hopefully, by the grace of God, more people will join on. If you would ever consider joining us, please financially. So how do they support you financially? Uh, so financially, the, the main way, uh, PayPal, if you go to campuspreacher.com, there's a support thing there. Campuspreacher.com. Campuspreacher.com. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes. Yeah, and so there's a little like support thing there. There's also an address, uh, which is Whitfield Fellowship. I think it's PO Box 35. That's way too complicated. Okay. Just go to campuspreacher.com. Yeah, or send yep. checks to PO Box 35. <laughs> Bellbrook, Ohio. Just random <laughs> yeah. 35. Bellbrook, no Ohio. one's remembering that, bro. Yeah, so anyway, Campus Preacher, PayPal's actually the easiest. They, they take a little bit off the top, depending on if it's a payment or if it's a donation. Mm -hmm. If you do a payment, they don't take anything off the top, I don't think. Um, I don't know how it all oh, works. Anyway, okay, yeah. so you're basically like a missionary. missionary. That's how it works. Yeah. Okay, so then how do you determine where to go? Um, Part, so there's really kind of really two things. One weather, uh, I usually start north and migrate south as it gets colder. So in the fall, Smart started guy. off, yeah, in the fall, started off, let's say I went to like Colorado where it can get colder earlier, yeah. went up into Vermont, New England, and then I dropped down south uh, from there into California, swung out. It was all over the place in the fall. And then in the spring, it's the opposite. Start south, work my way north. Um, and you just stop by campuses? Yeah, just kind of look at, do I have someone to stay with? Um, and, you know, Hopefully I don't sound too charismatic to people. Every night I believe the Lord's like, go to that campus and preach. Like, What's wrong with charismatic? I, I don't have a major problem with charismatic. Just some problems? So, minor well, problems. no, I'm, 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 trying to, I'm trying to communicate to groups that are overly sensitive to saying, the Spirit of God told me to go preach to that campus. You know what I mean? My Reformed people are like, I don't know. They're happen. like, oh, get the pitchfork <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, uh, boy, wait, is he not a secessionist? You he said the C word. Yeah, the, wait, wait. <laughs> like, charisma? Charisma, yeah. He thinks the Holy Spirit still operates today. Just the Bible. The Bible didn't tell him to go to that campus. And so... So yeah, you have. I will say that there, there are times where I'm like, the Lord's like, go to that campus. Uh -huh. um, actually, to tell a story, one of the f one time that really happened was Toby and Doug were going to preach at the University of Idaho, and I'd spent the previous couple days there. I knew Toby at this point, had never met Doug, mm -hmm. and I wanted to. I was like, oh, it'd be a good idea to meet Doug. And but that day, I woke up, and the spirit was like, nope, go to this campus, go to this campus. And like, I was almost to the point of being six. Like, no, it only makes sense to go see Doug. And I went to. Idaho's campus, uh -huh. saw Doug for like 30 seconds. I was almost at a point where I'm like, I'm just, Jonah, huh? yeah, and I'm like, I'm so sick. And I ran and I had to go. I was wow. so, I was almost at a point of being sick. So I was like, got to go, uh -huh. hopped my car, went to the other campus, preacher, and actually had a like nut that prosperity means it. But I had this conversation with this young girl who claimed to be a lesbian, but also a Christian for the next like hour with big crowd on a Friday, which is pretty hard to keep a crowd to like six o'clock yeah. and kept the crowd to about six o'clock. and was great. And so, but yeah, every now and then I would say that happens. So that subjective element of like the spirit says, go here. Other times I might be somewhere. I plan, I have kind of have a itinerary, mm -hmm. then the weather looks bad. So I turn South. So, uh, half of it's predicated on weather, uh, places to stay, people to stay with, um, 
I don't love staying with people as much as I used to because. Mm -hmm. Good, because then you're not staying with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, he let me know when I arrived. He and his wife both let me know. Yeah. But, we but, have some qualifications <laughs> for you to come over. And uh, you're out by six, all right? <laughs> um, but what it is is. So I'm with people all day. Honestly, I just, I just, my bandwidth is only so much. And when you're mm -hmm. in other people's homes, especially with people with kids, yeah. I'm like Uncle Keith, so I have to entertain. Uh, and so I'm exhausted after yeah. a week of being with people uh. opposed to like setting boundaries. So and you're then, an introvert. I haven't, I've become more as I've gotten older. And when I wake up in the morning, I like to have a routine where I can study and pray. But if I'm in someone else's home, you start talking to somebody. Next thing I know, I'm like, it's 8.15. Yeah. I haven't done anything. Whereas like if I'm in California, I'm on my own routine. Mm -hmm. Most days I'm up by six studying and then six to nine, I'm studying, then I shower and go to campus. Totally relate, like yeah. just business travel and stuff, even that just throws you off completely. Yeah. So you're on permanent business travel. Yeah, yeah. Travel. All right, so. so the last thing, and then we'll go eat. Okay. Is if somebody wants to get into this profession of campus preaching or street preaching, any of those things, like what is the one thing that you would give them as advice? Uh, could I say two things? No. Uh, one thing. Right, I, you can if it's quick. Okay. Not one, a Keith Darrell answer. Okay. Like a normal answer. A normal okay. answer. The 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 one thing, if you want to get into it, um, I would say have people outside of you that wants you that calls you to do it. Okay. Um, the first time I did it was I desired to do it for seven years, and then finally somebody said, "Go and you go and do it." Um, I do feel like there's an element of oftentimes people who want to campus preach, there is a, there can be an element of glory to it. Like, oh, we're on the front lines and we're yeah. da, da. And I think a lot of people want to be a part of that and see, mm -hmm. and, and, I, and I don't always think they're out there to glorify God and to reach sinners. And then, and it mm -hmm. becomes, then you throw up a little YouTube video of watch me own an atheist. You know gotcha. I mean? And so, so I would just so say- So it's what I do on Twitter, basically. Yeah, yeah. I have that personality. Yeah, I, I get rebuked all the time. From, I'm trying to deal, dial back my Twitter. I get rebuked all the time from guys who are like, hey, you're in ministry, watch your Twitter. So, but I would say that's the thing is, are people calling you to do it? Okay. And then from there, you know, kind of evaluate your motives. Like, do you want to be like a person who's being known for doing it? Um, so what's number are. two? Uh, well then the, the, the other thing would uh, preach, have a message. Um, that when you go out there to preach, you have a message. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the best advice I got very early on was when you come out here, don't apologize for me out here, but preach as if they need to listen to you rather than that you're hoping that they listen to you. And I would say it changed everything for me. Oh, that's great. I hope we all do that. Even if we're not going to be campus preachers, it's not apologizing for the message that we have to share with yeah. people. Yeah. And understand that that's the power of God and salvation. So if you're persuaded of that, then you can sit there even with your stammering tongue and somehow talk about the death and resurrection of Jesus. And some way as you do that, Paul in Romans 1 says, you know, the gospel in the gospel of righteousness for God is revealed, that there's some sort of revelation, some sort of cosmic things taking place when you do that. And then from there, just as the beginning of creation, when God spoke his word, things came into existence. We speak the word. God changes the dark hearts of men, gives them light, and they can believe the gospel. And once you're persuaded of that, then you can share the gospel with anybody. You know what I mean? Once you're persuaded, the gospel is the mm -hmm. power of God, and you can share that with anybody. So. Gosh, it gives me the chills <laughs> like I'm a charismatic. Amen. <laughs> hey, Keith Darrell, thanks for coming on the show. Where can Thank we you reach you at? Uh, CampusPreacher.com, Campus Evangel on the Twitter, Campus Preacher on Instagram. And where do they donate to you? Uh, go to CampusPreacher.com. There's a support thing, upper right. Click on it. Uh, end of the year. Look, three, four, five thousand dollars would be helpful if you. Uh, All right, at... guys. No, let's do that. Let's support him. So if you can, he needs three or four thousand. So let's make it five. Let's give him five thousand dollars, and really bless him as he is doing the Lord's work, literally. Amen. So let's go out, be successful, so we can support people like this guy. We'll talk to you next time. God bless. God bless.